Alright guys, let's see if we can do it. Together, add to your faith what? Virtue. 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 Knowledge. To knowledge. Temperance. Back it up. After patience. Godliness. After godliness. Brotherly kindness. And then after brotherly kindness. Charity. Charity. Alright, that's tonight. So let's do it, because we don't have time, a lot of time to take this thing off. Alright. You need a pen? Uh, exactly. There's only two pins left, so you were looking for a pen? Need a paper. It's up there. Pin? Who needs a pen? Thank you. I got a pen. Exactly. It was either that or Go to the bathroom, only two words I know, so. <laughs> uh, Alright, second Peter. Alright, since everybody has so much energy, let's do this. Do we have every seat filled in this room? Almost. Man, that's awesome. I'm like overwhelmed by all this large number of people. 32 people. Thank you, Kirkland. That's awesome. Alright. On the front of your handout, tune in, tune in, tune in. What? And you wonder why we didn't play a game, because I can't even get, we didn't even play a game when I can't get you to tune in. Second Peter 1, 5 through 9. Let's read the top of your handout together. Second Peter 1, 5 through 9. And we can read it together. So harness all that talking and put it into reading this passage. Alright? Second Peter 1, 5 through 9. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Alright. Second Peter 1, 5 through 9. Thank you. Alright. As we open it up, tune in, tune in, as we look at charity. A little while ago, if you remember during our example of the believer series, we went through charity. There was something I told you about charity. What it pertained to. Does anybody remember that? Charity pertains to something. It pertains to love, but there was something special about charity, whereas it's not just love, it's love in a certain direction. It's giving. All right. Love, I mean, charity deals with my love for other people. Okay? Charity is not used for my love for God. All right? So as we look at this, charity is love for other people. We talked about brotherly kindness last week. And we talked about how if you cannot love your brother or sister in Christ and you say you have God in you the Bible calls you a liar. Like you're, you're a liar. You cannot say that you love God and don't love your brother. Well today we're taking it a step further in charity. So we're looking at charity. Let's give you a definition. Charity is a deliberate choice to display kindness and mercy to everyone, no matter the personal cost, in order to meet their spiritual need. I'll read it again. Charity is a deliberate choice to display kindness and mercy to everyone, no matter the personal cost, in order to meet their spiritual need. There's two things that you cannot take out of charity. Number one, you cannot take out a display of kindness 
And you cannot take out spiritual need. In Christian circles, there's a desire to do both. There's some Christian people, or some churches, that they strive on doing good to others. I mean, they are known for it. They go in the community, they give out, they give out, give out. And I mean, they are doing all kinds of things for everybody else. And then there's others who all they do is meet their spiritual need. The homeless guy, he doesn't need food, he just needs a gospel track. Amen. If he just gets a gospel track, he gets saved, that'll take care of all his problems. And that is the farthest from the truth. So, <laughs> so we look at charity, it's both. Charity is a deliberate decision. Now, I know this goes against every Disney movie you've ever watched, but love is not a wonderful feeling. It is actually a deliberate choice that you make to love someone. This is why, honestly, in a real life, this is why you can have uh, a young person that comes from a terrible home, their mom and dad treat them like garbage, but they still love them. Can I tell you that they don't get a warm, fuzzy feeling when their dad comes home drunk or whatever and treats their family like garbage? They have made a choice to love them. It happens in every. Even one day, young ladies, you find that man, and he's everything you've ever hoped and dreamed for. You know what? One day, you're going to wake up, and he's going to be slobbering all over his pillow. His breath is going to smell like garbage. And, you're <laughs> and you know what you're going to think? You're going to have to make a choice to love him. Because he is not the man that you thought he was. Or maybe he was still that man, but he's more of a man now than he was the day you married him. But when I, but it's a choice that has to be made. So when we look at charity, charity is a deliberate choice, okay, to show kindness and mercy. So yes, I still show kindness and mercy to folks, but I still deal with their spiritual needs. The key verse here, Romans 5, on your handout, says Romans 5, 6 through 8. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. We know this verse is my favorite verse in the word of God. But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now read the bottom, we'll read the bottom real quick and then we'll move on. Jesus did not heal and feed people because there were too many beggars and hungry people on earth. That is not to say that he was not touched with the feelings of their infirmities from Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. But he could have sent angels to do that job. Jesus performed miracles to testify of his deity and to prove himself the one sent from the Father to be the Savior of the world, Israel's promised Messiah. His mission of love was to meet spiritual needs of a fallen man. So I want you to get this about charity. From a Christian standpoint, when you're supposed to add to your faith all these things, when you add charity, you're just not adding giving money away, being good to people. Because that does no good. Charity is not me pulling my wallet to the homeless guy and saying, hey, you don't have a meal? Here's $100. Woo, man, this guy's awesome. He just gave me 100 bucks and he walks away. I have not helped the man at all. Nor is it saying, hey, man, if you just get saved, it'll take, Jesus will take care of all your problems. Just like we read last week. If you tell a brother to be warm and filled but you give him nothing, Okay, then what? Be warm and filled. Be warm and filled. You haven't done anything for him. So charity is when I make a deliberate decision to love everyone. So the guy with P 
piercings all over his face with earlobes bigger than uh, so a Mack truck could drive through. You know what? I I am supposed to love him. Make a deliberate choice to love him. The girl that I would look at and say, oh, whoa, that's, you know what? I hope my daughter never ends up like that. That girl, I have to make a deliberate choice to show kindness and mercy to them for their spiritual condition. Can I tell you, this is where we fail miserably as Christians. We, we love to talk about people. We love to knock people down. And when we're saying add all these things to our faith, can I tell you that the key, if you read 1 Corinthians 13, if I have everything, I am the godliest individual you know. I, should, I know brotherly kindness. I can love any Christian brother, any Christian sister. I'm, I have knowledge. I mean, I can quote the word of God like nobody's business. I know the word of God. But the Bible says if I have not charity, I'm nothing. So this is huge. So if I'm not making the decision, deliberate decision, to show kindness and mercy to people, to help them with their spiritual condition, I failed all of it. That's tough. Because the old saying goes, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. I can tell you, that I care for everybody in this room. And today there's a lot of you in this room. I pray for you. If I look around, everybody in this room, at least once a week, all of your names come up, and I pray for your situation. But you know what? If I just walked in this room, walk up to the platform, do what I do, walk back out of there, I can tell you all day I cared about you. You say, Pastor Burton, I have a prayer request. Can you pray for this? Well, my schedule is so busy, I really don't have time to pray for your prayer request right now. But I do love you. After a while, it doesn't matter what I say. As 1 Corinthians 13 says, I become like a tinkling uh, cymbal. I'm just noise. Bang, 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 bang. Whenever I walk up here, that's all you hear is bang, bang, bang. Why? Because he doesn't care about me. And the same thing happens in the lost and dying world. I can dress right. I can read my 300 chapters of the Bible a day. I can quote it. But you know what? If I don't have charity, if I have not made a conscious decision to love the world around me, to help them in their spiritual condition, I failed on all of them. So let's look at it. So there's a definition of charity. What does charity look like? The develop, oh, how do you develop it? Development of charity. How do I develop charity? Let's go underneath the verse and then we'll come back to the verse. Charity is developed by realizing the overwhelming love of God and by his power displaying it to others around me, okay? So charity is developed by realizing the overwhelming love of God and by his power, by God's power, displaying it to others around me. Let's read 1 John 4, 7-11. Beloved, let us love one another. For love, love is... <laughs> yeah. Beloved, let's start over. Back in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. All right, let's pause for just a second. On Sunday night, we talked about personal worship. If you were here Sunday night, we walked through what it looks like for personal worship. Now, personal worship, does anybody remember the first key to personal worship? It tells me who, what? I'm glad everybody was listening so hard. 
who God is. Who God is. And tell here. He's like, but I remember. <laughs> exactly. But worship always brings me to who God is. Now listen to this. First John 4, 8. God is love. So when the world says, well, how can there be a good God and let all these things happen? They don't know God because when I read the word of God, I find that God is love. So what I want it to look like when I, we talked about what charity is, charity is a deliberate decision to show kindness and mercy to everyone to help their spiritual condition. That is the very nature of God. God is love. So let's keep reading. And this was manifest the love of God. So this was shown the love of God to us because that God sent his only begotten son to the world that he might live through him. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. His son is son to be the propitiation for our sins. And this is the key. Beloved, if God so loved us, we'd also love one another. So how do I develop charity as simple as this? I develop charity in my life by constantly getting plugged in to God's love for me. Now, for us being Christian folks, go to church all the time, raised in Christian homes, we look at the love of God sometimes and we forget how overwhelmingly awesome the love of God is. You look out all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. Oh, go back all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. God takes a man and forms him out of the dust of the earth. So man is dirt. Man sins. Adam listens to his wife. We can, though, all the times, like, guys will tell the girls, well, because you ate the fruit, the Bible says that Eve was deceived, but the man was not. He made the choice to eat the fruit. So now we have eaten the fruit, and now you look at an almighty God who, a man, we say, well, it's not that big of a deal. Adam ate fruit. What in the world? But in God's eyes, that is sin and God is holy. And so God in his holiness looks at man who has just sinned and instead of just wiping the whole thing out and starting over again, he says in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, I'm going to send my son, not in the exact word, but the prophecy starts in Genesis 3.15. God makes a promise that he's going to send his son one day. Okay, that's, that's love. Yeah, that's love. That God, instead of these two people that disobeyed, okay, that's love. I understand here and I see what you're saying. We fast forward. You fast forward through all the children of Israel. If you look through the children of Israel, walk through the, through the uh, wilderness there, over and over and over and over again, God does amazing things. We're, we're so thirsty, Moses. Why did you bring us out here to die? Moses hit the rock. So Moses takes his rod, hits a rock, and water comes out. Can you imagine seeing the miracle that God did there? Water coming from a rock. They're all drinking. Everybody, all the children of Israel got to get water from a rock. Next day, man, can you believe it? Moses brought us all the way out here to die. We're so hungry. God sends manna from heaven. They wake up in the morning. All they do is just collect the food. They don't have to go shopping. They don't have to do anything. Just go outside, eat it. Next day, over again. Next day, Man, I can't believe God brought us all the way out into the desert to die. God sends them quail. Over and over and over and over again, God shows his love to people. And people just say, man, God's not good at all. He's so terrible to us. You fast forward to the New Testament. 
Jesus Christ. He walks through his whole earthly ministry, healing people. Hey, man, this, man's, this man can't see. Jesus walks over the Bible, says, and touches his eyes, and now he can see. You know what everybody says? What is this guy doing? Who do you think this guy, who does this guy think he is? This is God coming to die for us. And all his whole life, only a couple of people would ever say, thank you for what you did. Man, he goes to Calvary. He stands before Pilate. He goes before that the night before. He stands before Caiaphas. I mean, these men slap Jesus in his face. Multiple times. This is no trial. It's nothing. They just keep, who do you think you are? He's blasphemer. Kill him. Jesus stands with Pilate. And he says, hey, I can give you one person. I can give you Barabbas. Or I can give you Jesus. Pilate thinking, oh, if I say Barabbas or Jesus, Barabbas is a murderer. They're not going to let Barabbas out. And the people that Jesus Christ dies for, as he's standing there, been beaten, crowned thorns. The Bible says he's naked and they drape some little thing around him, a purple robe to make fun of him. And he stands there before these people. And they say, give us Barabbas. That's how much we don't want this Jesus. Give us a murderer. And then we watch as he goes. We know the story. He goes to Calvary. And he's, he's nailed to the cross. I mean, the Bible says the people there are wagging their heads at him as he's on the cross. And he dies. He, really, he rises again. And then people are still trying to throw Jesus down. Hey, he didn't really rise. Hey, tell everybody the disciples stole the body. And the Bible says even till that day that people still believe that Jesus' body was stolen. Okay, so we mark that in our own lives. Can I tell you that we have such a wrong definition of love? See, when we look at love, we don't see a love that's so sacrificial like Jesus' love that gives everything for us. Because you know, when Jesus died for us, can I tell you there was nothing in Aaron Burden that God found attractive, that God found was great? Oh, man. I love that guy right there. He can really do something for me. No. See, our love is, we see, ladies would see a guy, and we say, oh man, he has a trait that makes me want to get to know him. Either he's good looking, maybe he has a great personality, maybe he's funny. Oh man, I, I would like to get to know that guy. And you try to get to know them. Guys, you see a young lady that you think is attractive, and maybe she's not funny and she's awkward. And for some reason you think you can be the knight in shining armor, and so you chase this young lady. Can I tell you when God sees anybody in this room, there's not one thing that he saw that he said, you know what? I need to save them for that reason. No. This is charity. God showing kindness and mercy to everyone, no matter the cost for their spiritual condition. God is love. So how do I develop it for everybody else? I look at what God did for me because if I ever get to the point where I think that I deserved God's love, well, God had to save me. He didn't. Not even close. I mean, honestly, and I don't mean to say this like terribly and like crudely, but if we all were burning in hell right now, God would have been unjust and righteous. God could have sat on his throne and never had to think anything wrong of himself. 
Yeah, I, I cast them all into hell. That's what they deserve because they were sinners. But instead, he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. The sins that we knew we were going to commit. The times, like I said all the time, that I look right at, I know this is wrong. And I'm making a plan to do it anyway. Yeah, that's God's love. And he says, Romans 5, I mean, 1 John says, God is love. So if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. You know how I develop charity in my life? How I see somebody who doesn't look like me, doesn't act like me, but I can still show them mercy and kindness because I just sit down and reflect about what God did. Wow. Aaron Burton didn't deserve anything, really. Aaron Burton didn't deserve to be growing in a Christian home. Aaron Burton didn't deserve to be able to afford college. Aaron Burton didn't deserve all the things that God put in my life to make me be able to succeed by his grace. Aaron Burton didn't deserve any of that. But God's been so good. And you know what? I look at that and I can say, I should say, I can love somebody. Man, I can love that person that doesn't look like me. I can show kindness the, God, the way God showed me kindness to someone else. And see, in our American culture, like we talked about on Sunday, everybody who's below us, if they had made the right decisions, they wouldn't be here. Can I tell you that it's only by the grace of God you weren't born into some weird off-the-wall family that beat you, did all kinds of crazy things to you, Talk about God's grace. And so when I start to actually reflect on God's love for me, wow, I can love somebody else. Wow, so how does that develop? It's developed because I look at the overwhelming love of God over and over and over again. I'm reminded every time I see something, man, God loves me. Now, I'm not trying to get, like, weird and crazy here. But you know what? One of the things I really like, why I like watching the sunrise is, because I look at a sunrise come up and I think, wow, God loves me. He let me have another day. I can stand here. And I can see that in my, my family's not falling apart. I have a great job that I love to do. And I look at it and I see the sun come up on a new day and I say, man, God is so good. Can I tell you, that's how you just develop the love of God for other people when you start getting overwhelmed by just how much God has blessed you. If somebody cared enough to have you here tonight, you should be so thankful. So thankful. So, the definition of charity, that I'm going to show kindness and mercy to everyone, no matter the cost, for their spiritual condition. Yes, Ashley. I missed the blank. I should come back and get that. So as we look at it, the development of charity, which, which one was it? Charity is developed by realizing the overwhelming love of God and by his power displaying it to others around me. Is that the blank? As I said, that 3,000 miles an hour, which you probably couldn't have guessed. Can you, can you give her that blank? I didn't give it to you. Which one am I not? Which one did I not give it? Displaying it to others. Thing of charity, but you've given the thing. Yeah, yeah, I gave it. I gave it earlier. I gave it first, but it's okay. What is the definition of charity? Did you just? Let's rewind and start this all over. Again. <laughs> is it, is it, is it, is it this 
No, that's not the definition. This is that right there is the display of charity. The display of charity. Number three is the display of charity. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. You just download the simulator. <laughs> what was number one? <laughs> the display of charity. Can you say that definition one more time that you said 15 times already? <laughs> the display of charity. So what is the display of charity? 1 Corinthians 13, we're at 1 Corinthians 13, 2. <laughs> nice. And though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Luke chapter 10. If you have a Bible, Luke chapter 10. I didn't put it there, but if you have a Bible, open up to Luke chapter 10 real quick. You know the story. Luke chapter 10. What does charity look like when I display it to the others around me? So we know how it's developed. I develop because I look at God's love for me and then I start to say, you know what, I can love someone else. But how does it look in everyday life? Luke 10, 25 through 27. It says this. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered, he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And this is Jesus, and he said unto him, Thou sayest it right, this do and thou shalt live. But he wanted to justify himself, so now he thinks that Jesus just embarrassed him with a simple answer. said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his raiment and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise the Levite, when he was at that place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou who was neighbor unto the, him that fell among thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. One of the most common stories, even unsafe people make reference to the Good Samaritan. We know the story. So, what does charity look like in regular life? That story right there. The Bible says a man's going down from Jericho to Jerusalem. He falls among thieves. They beat him and leave him half dead. So, according to the word of God, the man is pretty much slowly dying. He's maybe conscious, okay? So the Bible says a priest comes by. We know the story. He looks at him. Huh, that looks bad. Man, that guy got messed up. Religious leader, okay? Religious leader. Walks by, keeps walking. Levite. The Bible says he comes over to him. So can you imagine being this man, half dead, like probably just help, 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 give somebody to help me. And the Levite walks right up to you. Wow, when you get up close, it looks even worse. That's tough. Man. And walks away. And the Bible says the Samaritan. Now, we know the Bible. Samaritans are hated by Jewish people, okay? So... Samaritans don't hate Jews as much as Jews hate Samaritans. Me and Shylan uh, have been reading through the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter 9, uh, Peter talks about how much he does, dis does not like Gentiles. Pretty much calls them unclean. 
So this is what this guy probably, this guy's laying half dead. You can almost see it as he walks up and he's a Jew. And then all of a sudden a Samaritan's coming to help. Now, I don't know if he said this. I don't know if he just wants help, but you can only think in your mind. This is racial, racial tension. Not Rachel. Sorry, Rachel. This is, <laughs> she's paying attention now, though. No, <laughs> but this is racial tension like none other. Okay? A Samaritan's coming to help him. This man's half dead. The Samaritan, the Bible says, grabs his own stuff. Hey, what do I got? He grabs some stuff and starts to treat this man's wounds. He bandages him up. He takes his own donkey that he's been riding on, and he puts him on, and he takes him to the inn. He walks into the inn, brings him into the inn, Lays the guy, the Bible says, he takes care of him that night. I'm sure that wasn't in his schedule. Oh, man, I just always seem to add 30 minutes of my time in just in case I have to take care of beating up people on the side of the road. This was not in his schedule. The Bible says he pulls out money when he leaves and says, hey, here's some money. You take care of this guy until I get back. And if, he, if it costs you anything else, you let me know and I'll take care of it. Wow, that's love. Can I tell you that that priest and that Levite... That priest could have been the best priest ever. When he walked into the temple, he could have been the best priest in the temple. There's priest so-and-so. Man, that man loves God. I love, I love when he comes to the temple and leads worship. Man, I love, that man loves God. Can I tell you that man laying on the side of the road, if he saw that priest walk by and he's half dead, that priest could have known the whole entire Bible by heart. And you know what? Maybe he'd come back. That guy would one day come to his church and he'd walk into the, the, the priest and walk into the temple and he sees that priest standing there. Can I tell you? That priest could have known everything about the Bible. He could have been the godliest. He could have added to his faith virtue and the virtue knowledge, all those things. But that man would look at him and say, I do not care what you say. As, as 1 Corinthians 13 says, he's a tinkling symbol. When that priest gets up to preach, Bang, 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 bang. I don't hear anything you're saying because you don't care about me. Now imagine Levi, the same thing. Levi walks over and looks at him. So now they make eye contact. You all right, buddy? Oh, man, you should probably get some help. Call 911, but I don't have a cell phone. My bad. And now he, he zones in. He sees this guy. Now he comes to this Levi. He needs something done. He walks this Levite. Hey, man. Hey, I recognize you. I don't know you from anywhere, man. But you know what? I just want to tell you, God loves you. Even though you're Samaritan. I mean, even though um, he's not Samaritan. Even though who you are, God loves you. Man, God, God really loves you. Can you tell? Can I tell you? Once again, bang, 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 bang. I don't hear anything you're saying. I was laying on the side of the road dead. You came and looked me in the face. Yeah, sorry, dying. Almost dead. I felt like I was dead. Wish I was dead. But then I looked at me and you walked away. Man, I don't want to hear anything you have to say. Can I tell you this? All the virtues that we've talked about, all the ones that you just quoted when we talked earlier, if you have all those things, but yet you don't take time to make a choice, the people that are unlovable, to make a choice to show mercy and kindness to them, no matter what the cost, to help their spiritual condition, you've lost. You've lost. Can I tell you that's why the world doesn't wants nothing to do with our Christianity? This is why they make fun of us. Oh, they, they say they're Christians, but... They say they're Christians, but... You read the book of Acts. First three chapters of the book of Acts. Barnabas, 
We talked about this last week with brotherly kindness. Barnabas sells a house, his house, to help a brother in need. Have you ever seen Christianity like that? And I'm... I haven't. And I should be leading that kind of Christianity. But when it comes to loving, showing charity, it's huge because it encapsulates all the other ones. So I hope that as we've gone through this study, this has just not been an end to the means. So it's Wednesday, we come to youth group. Yeah, we're going to, yeah, I understand, add brotherly kindness. Yeah, I understand, add patience. I got to be indoor. I understand I need to add tempers. I need to help tell my flesh how it ought to behave. I understand that the world's going to deceive me. I mean, distract me, blah, blah, blah. Can I tell you, this is what Christianity looks like. It is. If this is not what we have in our lives, you forget that you were purged from your own. The world looks at us and says, oh, nothing to do with that garbage. Or just a bunch of deceivers. And you know what? If our life doesn't look like 2 Peter 1, 1 through 11, and we're maturing in Christianity, I'm not saying we're perfect. There's nobody in here who has, a, who has the thing on love. Man, they, they're just leading in love. But we should all be moving to that. We should all be going forward to that. We should all be moving forward in temperance. Hey, you can't control yourself. You should be working towards that. If you don't have patience and things come to you in your life and they, the things that you can't control hit you and they come at you and you can't, you can't endure, you quit, this is so stupid, then, hey, you should work on that. Because if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you should never, neither be barren nor unfruitful in the life you live. I don't know about you, but I want to be fruitful. I want to be successful. So I add all these things to my faith and then I become the Christian God wants me to be. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much, God, for this passage, Lord, that we've gone through. And Lord, I've enjoyed the study, Lord, on a personal level. And God, what you've shown me and done through me and done in me, God, I pray that you continue to run these, this passage through me. Lord, to make me look like what this passage looks like. Lord, I pray that our whole youth group would look like this. Because Lord, I know that well, there's, just for any of our young people to look like this, God, would be something that would stand out in our culture because this is not how even our Christianity looks. God, we, we're, we're so weak. God, I pray that you'd help us. Lord, that you'd strengthen me. God, strengthen us. Lord, that we move into growing and maturing in you. Lord, and see these things in our lives. God, I pray that our parents would be able to see it. Lord, the people around us in school would be able to see it. Lord, that our neighbors or the unsaved world will be able to see it and Lord that we begin to reach people Lord because we love them Lord we made the decision God to love them even though they're not lovable even though they make fun of us even though they're mean to us God I pray that you'd help us Lord thank you again for your word give us a good evening be with us the rest of this week and all the things that are going to be happening and we'll thank you for all that you do in Jesus name Amen <laughs>